0: This is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, host of Everyday Family Medicine. And with me today is Dr. Janine Downey, board certified dermatologist and stated by the American Board of Dermatology. She holds medical licenses in several states, including New York, New Jersey, and California. She's also the Director of Image Dermatology, her own practice located in Montclair, New Jersey. Dr. Downey has extensive experience and training in cosmetic, laser, and general and surgical dermatology. Dr. Downey, welcome to ReachMD. Hey there, how are you, Dr. Caudill? I'm good, thanks. So today we're actually talking a little bit about your path in dermatology, but we're also talking about uh, when physicians should be referring patients to dermatologists and also hot topics for this year. So if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about your practice, why you chose dermatology, and maybe the areas of dermatology that you specialize in.
1: Okay, so in terms of my practice, I practiced um, about 12 miles outside of Manhattan in northern New Jersey, I see um, probably about 65 or so percent, if not a little more, cosmetic patients, about 70 percent women, 20 percent men, and 10 percent um, kids and teenagers. I see about hmm, 60 percent um, Caucasian-American patients, and then about 40 percent African-American, Latino-American, and Asian-American patients in that order. Um, Within my practice realm, I also travel a lot because I do clinical trials. Um, So I get a lot of cutting edge information on, you know, like the new Kybella that hopefully we'll talk about later in this radio broadcast um, because I did the clinical trials on it. Um, A lot of the new and cutting edge toxins that are coming out and fillers, different filler indications, all that fun stuff. So I'm traveling a lot to investigator meetings um, and to accommodate things for my clinical trials. And then I do a lot of consulting for the top-tier pharmaceutical companies. So for Allergan and Johnson & Johnson and Galderma and some of the bigger um, dermatologic uh, top-tier pharmaceutical companies, I do a lot of consulting with them. So I do that as well. I lecture nationally and internationally on cosmeceuticals and skin of color and skin cancer and toxins and fillers. and. My favorite topic lately is non-invasive fat melting. As I get older, I'm more obsessed with my own body fat percentages, which unfortunately seem like they're going up. And so I'm concerned about getting everyone's down. So that's some of the stuff I do besides the fact that I'm a wife and a mother.
0: Where should we start in terms of some common or uncommon things that primary care physicians should be on the lookout for and we should refer to our dermatologists for?
1: Okay. um, That's a great place to start, I think. So... Basically, Dr. Cardell, what I think is really important is when family practice and internal medicine doctors um, or OBGYNs or pediatricians uh, see lesions that they're the least bit concerned about. It's worth calling a dermatologist and getting a referral and having the patient go within a week. Um, There's many, many of my colleagues in town and around the area that I would not think about saying, "Oh no, I'm overbooked. I couldn't possibly squeeze in your patient for that one suspicious mole." There's just it's not it's not reasonable. Last year, um according to the Skin Cancer Foundation, there were what <clears throat> roughly about we haven't finished the tallies, but 4.2 million cases diagnosed in 2014. So that number's going to go up probably to 4.5 million new cases of skin cancer diagnosed in 2015. That's frightening. So PCPs and all docs should just refer to us if they see a lesion that they're concerned about that warrants a biopsy. The issue is sometimes um, my friends will try to biopsy those lesions themselves, and then they send them to pathologists that are typically surgical pathologists and don't do a lot of reading of the skin, and the lesions can get misread, and that is a huge problem, especially if they're in impending melanoma. Where I practice here in New Jersey, unfortunately, is the tanning bed capital of the United States. So every time you walk into a tanning bed, you're increasing your chances of getting skin cancer, a very significant amount. And it's really upsetting to people when they're misdiagnosed because they had a biopsy and then it wasn't read right. So I just say send them to us to begin with. Uh, We'll look at it. If it's a changing mole, if it's a new lesion, if it's something that anybody's the least bit concerned about, it's worth getting an opinion from a board-certified dermatologist, don't you think?
0: You know, you bring up some really good points there, and I think sometimes points that maybe we as primary care doctors don't think about. You know, I'm really curious. What are some other things that you as a dermatologist maybe see us PCPs send you that you're like, hmm, maybe they should have thought about this or tried this first or, you know, any common things, anything with... I don't know, eczema, psoriasis, or other conditions that may be mismanaged or not, um, not managed well?
1: Um, I get referred a decent amount of psoriasis, eczema, hives, that type of thing. But in many of those cases, um, the primary care physicians around here, they all think about you know, what they're doing before they refer. So I don't feel like I get cases that, oh, my goodness, I should have definitely never seen this. I, I don't feel like that at all. They're my colleagues, and they're busy, and quite frankly, when somebody comes in here and they ask me questions about their blood pressure pills or their heart <laughs> or their diabetes, I, it's not that I don't have the time for that, it's not that, it's that I'm not properly trained for that. Sure. So I will send out in a heartbeat. So I'm never feeling like, oh, they should have tried X, Y, and Z first. I mean, my main thing is um, if they have a bad rash, the patient, and it's a Friday afternoon, and perhaps they can't get in to see a dermatologist until the following week. Um, definitely make them cut the, their nails off. Tell the patients that mm-hmm. they don't have weapons; they won't go to war.
0: Oh, that's a good. That's and actually a really good idea. Have them like cut that. their nails
1: off and have them get a hypoallergenic, fragrance-free moisturizer to moisturize their skin during the course of the weekend, and maybe take Claritin or Benadryl mm-hmm. until they can get in. If they have some rash where they can't be seen right away, so those are the type of things that sometimes I wish you know people had tried before they wait a week or two to come see me, and they saw the. The pediatrician or the family practice doctor when things were looking one way and then by the time they see me it's ten times worse because no one told them to cut their nails off or maybe take a, um, a claritin um, or Zyrtec to avoid the itch or you know maybe told them to use some kind of non non-scented moisturizer you know that type of thing
0: absolutely no I think that's actually a really great idea and it's something that I, I definitely gonna start actually asking my patients to do I like that phrase of cutting the nails off because you're right it makes a big difference
1: hear things several times from several doctors before they enact on a plan. So it would be good if you guys would do that also.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I think this is really good. Um, do you, Any other tricks up your sleeve? I kind of like, I like these sort of suggestions. This is really good.
1: <laughs> well, the old classic, you know, humor, oh, doc, it hurts if I go like that. And the patient's banging on the side of your, their head. And then you say to them, well, don't go like that. Don't bang on the side of your head. So if the patient's saying, you know, it hurts when I press down, really hard on you know this one area. Well, don't press down on that area. You know, it could be a, a lipoma, which is a fatty tissue tumor. It could be a cyst. It could be, you know, something else, but let's not press down on that. Let's actually, you know, one morning, one of my patients the other week uh, came running over here to see me from her OBGYN gyn um, and the OBGYN had circled what she wanted me to biopsy. And I just thought it was the best. We're busy, it's right before Christmas. She didn't think she was going to get me on the phone, so she just circled it, and she called ahead and sent her over here, and I was able to biopsy, and it turned out that it was a cyst and not, you know, something more dangerous than a cyst. But the fact is, she circled it for me, and I just felt there was such camaraderie in that spirit. You know what I'm saying?
0: I think that's that's a really good point. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Janine Downey, board-certified dermatologist and director of Image Dermatology, her own practice located in Montclair, New Jersey. So, Dr. Downey, I'd like for us to continue talking a little bit about um, some of the latest and greatest with cosmetic stuff. You mentioned Kybella. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So Kybella was FDA approved in, what was that? I believe it was April or May of 2015. And um, they started rolling it out as of July 2015. So it is a very interesting uh, new injectable drug that we inject under the chin, and it melts fat uh, from under the chin and really can make people look years younger. And a lot of people, the collection of fat that kind of, you know, comes to being after a certain age is very difficult to get rid of, even if you're at your goal weight, uh, which unfortunately many people over the age of 40 are not at their goal weight any longer. Um, But even if people lose weight, they might not lose it from that area. So this really helps with the whole jawline for men, um, you know, in terms of making them look more youthful. It helps with women so we don't have pooch under our chins, so it helps us look more youthful. And um, it's just a really interesting injectable drug. We are specifically trained how to do this. So I did the clinical trials uh, for this back in 2012 and um, was raring to go. Uh, because I realized how well in my patients it was a double-blinded study, but I could tell which of my patients were doing, you know, better because some of the fat was going away in some of them. So it's a pretty neat drug. It's very specific, and it's about injecting it properly and making sure you mark off the nerves and making sure that um, you explain to the patient that they're going to have swelling, they're going to have some bruising, and then the fat is going to be down, and people are delighted by that. Uh, And so in this day and age, I try to explain to patients that it's not really about, you know, just romantic viability, looking good for your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever. It's about, you know, economic viability. It's about, you know, not wanting to be the old guy or the old gal on the job and kind of maintaining, you know, your edge in the work world as well because, you know, unfortunately these days this is the – a society that looks at everything, including um, the age of the people that are working in the workforce. And nobody wants to be old anymore. And part of the poochie chin, uh, you know, makes you look a little older than you want to for many people. I'll say myself included.
0: That's so interesting. Now, are there certain patients that you would not use this in? Who who would those patients be?
1: Yeah, the very, very overweight patients that need to generally lose, you know, weight, um, rather than the patients that just have a pocket of fat there. But even in some patients that are somewhat overweight, it still is a good drug. And many of my patients feel like now that their chin fat is down some or their chin fullness, as I like to say, is down some, they feel like it's spurring them to start losing more weight um, because they feel like their jawline profile is looking better. So they're like, oh, I don't want to mess this up, so let me start, you know, dieting and exercising properly. So that's, you know, kind of neat and rewarding for me to see. Uh, with a lot of my patients.
0: Right, so it's it's a good motivation. Patients that have very
1: lax skin, that very, very loose skin, either very, very sun damaged or, you know, much older patients, Um, because this drug is used to patients well into their 70s as long as they don't have very lax skin. But if patients have lax skin, smoking, tanning, um, yo-yo weight gain and loss, that type of thing, and they have very lax skin, then this isn't a good drug for them as well. But again, Send to the dermatologist, let the dermatologist take a look and judge. It has to be somebody who is trained on Kybella um, or somebody like me that, you know, did the clinical trials and teaches other, patient, um, other physicians good practices with Kybella, um, that type of thing. So we look at those two things. If you're very, very, very overweight or you have poor skin laxity, um, then, you know, you're not a good subject. But otherwise, you probably could be.
0: Right. And I don't know if you mentioned this, but how, how long does it take to see results with this, by the way?
1: people come once a month for okay. either four or six months okay uh and then the fat is gone for good it's, uh, so it's permanent production like <gasps> result oh my gosh permanent. yeah so it's a permanent result so that's what's so fabulous about it that is amazing um, and um you know, the, people's lives are altered for the better. People have been really excited by this drug. So, I'm very excited by the technology. Are they
0: planning on b- using this molecule for other parts of the body then? That's my next question.
1: <laughs> you know, potentially. I don't know about any clinical trials right now. Allocan, sure. um, now activist, and now Pfizer just bought them, owns the molecule. Um, so not that I know of at present, but um, I don't see why not in larger areas with um, a lot of fat cells in them this wouldn't be a good drug for larger areas too. It's not a cheap drug, you know, is the bottom line. So, you know, we'll have to
0: see. Sure, sure. Um, And I think we have time maybe for just one uh, last small kind of touch. And I I just wanted to ask in terms of other cosmetic procedures uh, that you're doing, that you're seeing, that you've been involved in trials with, are there any other procedures or techniques that are kind of um, sort of the latest and greatest? Are there any other things that you're sort of a fan of that, that people are getting and that you're performing? Just out of curiosity.
1: I think that Botox is still a huge standard. I mean, the bottom line is Botox is like breathing for me and a lot of my patients. If you can afford it, sure. it's something that you should schedule in and do just because it's if you don't crease the envelope, you'll never have a deep crack or a furrow or a line there like your mother or your grandmother or your father, whoever you're trying not to look like. Um, has. And, you know, the bottom line is that it's not about like having a stiff bar head and looking like a board anymore. It's about having a movable bouncy bar head that just doesn't have a lot of lines in it. So you don't look stressed and you don't look worried. And so people really like that they're, you know, showing, you know, not showing their, their, their true feelings and that they can kind of be, you know, a little more calm when they're not feeling calm at all. So I think Botox is you know, huge, and the bottom line is it's best to go to somebody that has a lot of experience. I've been injecting Botox for, oh, you know, 22 years now? Oh, my God, am I saying that? <laughs> um, so, twenty, yeah, 20 years on myself and, and 22 years on my patients, and uh, I've been doing fillers since 1994 as well, so that would be 22 years with fillers, and I was involved in the original Restlane and Perlane clinical trials and the Bellatero clinical trials, and... A lot of these fillers are fabulous when used properly, and a lot of people are afraid about looking fake. But the bottom line is I tell people that, you know, diet and exercise is super important. But as you get older, Botox, filler, laser, and a lot of these other things, Kybella, are important as well. And as long as things aren't overdone, one can look very, very good.
0: No, I completely understand that. I have sort of a, a, one last follow up question. That's kind of a personal question as it relates to that. Some of my uh, my my good girlfriends are, um, you know, uh, cosmetic surgeons, et cetera. And one of my girlfriends actually said it's best to get Botox when you're young. Is that something that you feel? Is it something I that see you? That's a huge
1: trend with that. Yeah, um, where people are coming in that are like 26 to 31. Right well, I have a whisper of a line here, and I don't want this getting any deeper, and we just do baby Botox on them where we do a little bit of Botox, and they're very happy, and maybe they're coming twice a year rather than every three months. Um, And the bottom line is then their skin is increasing in those areas, and they're very happy with that. And in addition, um, young or old, the bottom line is that people need a good skincare regimen, and that includes sunblock every day with an SPF 30 rain or shine, January through December, regardless of what your ethnicity is. So I tell people, you know, I'll definitely Botox you. I'll definitely fill you. Um, But you need to put on your sunblock and you need to reapply it or we're wasting our time. And my patients are usually in agreement with me because they don't want to waste their time or their money.
0: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Well, this has been a really interesting conversation. It's nice to talk about some of the the latest and greatest, especially with dermatology. Um, Before we close, is there any other um, topics that you wanted to touch on today before we end our interview?
1: I mean, I think it's really important for people to realize, um, back to skin cancer for a second, that they should look at their body at least once a month. And if they see something changing or not healing, um, they need to call and make an appointment with the dermatologist themselves and that everyone should get a total body check at least once a year. And people need to take responsibility for putting on sunblock and reapplying it. well, on the cosmetic side of things, I'll tell people my practice is image dermatology in Montclair, New Jersey, and I make people look their best for whatever age they are. So I consider it age management. So people don't have to look done. So all these patients that are coming into you, um, Dr. Cardell, and saying, oh, they, they, they don't want to look done, tell them they don't have to. They shouldn't go to somebody who is done. That way they won't look done.
0: I think that's, that's very inspiring advice to, to close the interview on. Dr. Downey, many thanks to you for joining us on ReachMD today.
1: Thank you very, very much for having me, and I look forward to hopefully being on in the not-too-distant future.
0: Absolutely. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and you've been listening to ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash everydayfamilymedicine. Thank you for listening.